When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Hello there, listeners, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 349 of Sustainable Minimalists, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, we're outlining six high-traffic, high-impact areas you can declutter in about 10 minutes, maybe 15, but definitely under 20 minutes. I am back from vacation. My family went to sunny Florida. I am in vacation mode. I do not want to talk about how the world is burning, so I thought to myself, oh, let's do a good old decluttering episode. It's been a while, and so here we are. I often speak on the five pillars of responsible decluttering at libraries specifically, and the people who attend my talks are often people with homes full of stuff. They moved into their homes a few decades ago, and slowly but surely, they filled their homes with stuff over the years, and they're overwhelmed by the clutter, they're sick of the mess, they want to let it all go, but they don't know where to start. My first piece of advice to these people in these talks is always start slow, start simple, go easy. If you want to start weightlifting, you're not going to pick up the 40 pounders, or at least I personally am not going to do that. I am going to incrementally increase the weight I lift as I flex. See what I did there? I love a good pun, as I flex my growing muscles. And I suggest we all do the same. It's the same with decluttering. You need to practice before you tackle the really big projects, let's say, like the basement. So where do you start? Enter high traffic decluttering. This topic is not discussed nearly as much as I think it should be discussed in decluttering or minimalist circles, by the way. But sure, there are benefits to cleaning out your attic or decluttering the basement. But the problem is that these areas are not highly trafficked. If you're not going to these parts of your home often, if you're not pulling down the stairs and going into your attic all that much, your decluttering efforts then are not high impact. They're not greatly changing your day-to-day life. So I suggest we all start small by focusing on specific and contained areas that you frequent regularly. That's the key. The time commitment when doing so will be significantly less. Hello there, 15-ish minutes. And you'll get the most bang for your buck because, again, they're high-traffic areas. So 
you're getting bang for your buck because you're reducing visual overstimulation. So you know that feeling you get when you walk into a room and there's just too much to look at and you're feeling overstimulated? By focusing on the high traffic areas, you'll reduce that visual overstimulation. You will reduce your mental load, which is all the things that you're trying to keep afloat, all the balls you're trying to juggle in your mind. You will flex that decluttering muscle so that you can later tackle the bigger and heftier areas. And I will say too, just a personal you know, benefit to decluttering the high traffic areas that I experience and the reason why I keep going back to focusing on the high traffic areas is because when I open a drawer or when I look at a space in my home, I can have one of two reactions. One reaction is, oh, another project for me to deal with. Oh, another mess for me to clean up. Oh, that, that's one reaction, the ugh reaction. Or the other reaction is, oh, this is so nice and tidy. This is serene. It's like a sigh of relief. So you could either have an ugh or you could have a sigh of relief. I always want the sigh of relief. So let's get into the six areas we're discussing today. The first one isn't even in your house, but oh my goodness, is it important. And it is your car console. <laughs> In my life, this is a top secret secret, but in my life, my car is the most overlooked and underappreciated space. My car is an absolute disaster zone, and I don't know why. I have a decluttering and minimalist podcast, but my car is gross, my friends. So think about it. How often do you open your car console each day? If it's a disaster, that is multiple times a day that... The opportunity to get bummed out and stressed out and have that ugh feeling, there's multiple opportunities for that feeling to rear its ugly head each and every day. So we're tackling the car console and we're going to do it in under 20 minutes. Bring out your vacuum to the car, bring a wet rag with some soap on it, just commit to the 15-ish minutes, all right? You are going to throw out anything that is trash. I mean, the car is just a haven for trash, like receipts, <laughs> old snack wrappers, bits of food that, I don't know, your kids left there and didn't throw out. You name it, the car is full of trash. So you're getting rid of the trash and you're also taking out of the car the things that don't belong there. There's a lot of items in my car that belong their home, the place where they reside, is within the home. But I take them off in the car or I throw them in the car and then I forget about them. And so the new home for these items becomes the car. No, no, no. When we're tackling the car console, we're putting all these items back in their homes, back in the home. I'm talking scrunchies. I'm talking earrings. I'm talking your child's homemade necklaces. None of that stuff belongs in the car, does it? The home is in the home. So take it all out and put it back where it belongs. Consider too, the some stuff does belong in your car, but do you have too much of it in the car? CDs is a big one for me. So my car is kind of old. It still has the CD player. Ask yourself if you have CDs in your car. How often really are you putting a CD in? I know it's a come to Jesus moment, isn't it? <laughs> I never listened to CDs. Back when my kids were younger, we had a couple, you know, kid CDs, but they're grown and their CDs are still there. They need to be removed and I need to do something else with these CDs, right? If you do listen to CDs, keep the one or two that you actually listen to and bring the rest 
into your home because I'm willing to bet your CD's home is not the car. How about hand sanitizer? You probably do need and want and look for hand sanitizer in your car. But how much do you need? Do you need five little bottles or will just one suffice? The stuff that does live in your car, pare it down. All right, so we've done all that. We've taken everything out. We've put stuff back where it belongs. We've thrown out the trash. And now it's time to organize. So the stuff that's staying in your car, you got to organize it. Organize the change, right? The coins. Uh, Maybe you have a special compartment in your car. Put it all there. If you don't, use a spice jar and thank me later. We will talk about spice jars later in the show. But spice jar for coins. Yeah, do that. How about little pouches for the other miscellany that you want to keep in your car? And ask yourself too, again, you want a little pouch for your feminine products? Okay, that sounds great. I'm on board. But how many feminine products, how many emergency feminine products do you need? Not 10. You're not going to have that big of an emergency, right? And let's take this a step further. If you're keeping some emergency feminine products in your purse, which you likely are, You don't even need five in your car, right? We don't need to double store, double organize. Same thing with Band-Aids. You likely need some Band-Aids in your car. But if you're also storing Band-Aids in your purse, we do not need to double store. We're not going to have that big of a bloody emergency that we're going to need a whole box of Band-Aids. And if we're having that type of emergency, the Band-Aids are not what we're going to be reaching for in those very rare very serious emergencies. So pare down what you're keeping. Ask yourself if you're double storing some of it in your purse, and I'm willing to bet the answer is yes. We will get to purse later. Let's talk about masks before we move on. I know from experience that even though mask mandates are largely lifted and even though COVID testing centers are shutting down because cases are down, you still need one mask for every person in your family in your car. And I know this because my family just had a dental emergency and we had to pivot and get to the dentist real quick. We couldn't go home and stop and get our masks here in Massachusetts. Dentists and doctors, you still need to wear a mask. So you do need one mask for each person in the car. Put them in a zippy bag, zip it up, and there you go. You have them if you, like me, had a dental emergency. So that is your car console. Let's stick with the double storing example and let's go to area number two, which is your purse or your baby bag or whatever it is that you carry around each and every day. And for those of you who do not carry anything around every single day, I'm very jealous. But for the rest of us, we likely carry around some sort of bag, some sort of fanny pack, some sort of backpack, some sort of purse every single day. So let's talk about that next. How are we going to do this? You can definitely organize your purse or your bag or whatever it is in 15 minutes. And it starts by dumping everything out. Just dump it all on the floor. Have your vacuum handy so that you can vacuum up all the little crumbs and pieces of paper and whatever else that falls onto your floor. Take that vacuum and also vacuum, like flip your bag inside out if you can. Vacuum all the crevices. And then go through the same steps. Take out what's trash and throw it in the trash. Pare down the excess. Like, do you really need to carry around five lipsticks and two chapsticks? Or can you just carry your go-to lipstick and one chapstick? (laughs) Do you really need to carry around a brush and a comb and 25 hair ties? 
Or can you just carry around the small comb and five hair ties? Do you need the hand sanitizer and the hand lotion in your bag? Or can you store them in your car? What about the gum and the mint and the flossers, right? Like gum and mint, that's a redundancy to me. So pick one, pick your go-to, and then don't carry the other one around. And then ask yourself about the flossers, okay? Like how often in a one-month period are you flossing your teeth on the go? Like really? (laughs) If the answer is often, okay, then you need to keep your flossers. But I have never floss my teeth on the go. Maybe I'm unhygienic. I don't know. I don't floss on the go. I floss at night. So I don't need to keep flossers. Okay. And I, and frankly, carrying them around, even though they're small, is just a waste of precious bag space. How about pens? How many pens do you have? You do not need to carry around five ballpoint pens. One working pen is plenty. So again, pare down the stuff. And then I love the dedicated pouches solution for my handbag. Have some pouches in your bag for the stuff you're deciding to keep. So a hair pouch, that's where I keep my comb and my hair ties and a couple bobby pins, Um, a pouch for your feminine products, et cetera, et cetera. So use some pouches. And I have to say here too, this is the tip of all tips. Carry a smaller bag. I, a couple years ago, went from a gigantic tote to a much smaller eight-inch satchel. I have never, ever looked back. It did take a couple months for me to like make it work. It took a few iterations to make sure I actually had what I actually needed in my bag. But now that I've got it down, I could not be happier. I just sling it across my body. It does not weigh me down. It's not like another burden for me to think about and carry around. I just put it on and I go and I don't even think about it. When we carry around a big bag, we tend to fill it with stuff, stuff we don't need. It's just like when we have a bigger house. When we have a bigger house, we tend to fill that bigger house with stuff that we likely don't need. So you can go through your days the light and airy way by just carrying a smaller bag. And again, back to where we started when we were talking about our car console, if you commute by car, You can store a lot of the miscellany in your car. Now, if you live in the city, you don't have a car, you commute on foot, different story for you. But for those of us who live in the burbs and have a car, think about what you can store in an organized way in your car. All right, so we're going to take our first break today. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the linen closet and the medicine cabinet. I will see you in a minute. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch, 
They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back on today's show. We're discussing six high impact places we can declutter in under 20 minutes. Before the break, we discussed our car consoles and our handbags. And now we are on to the linen closet. The linen closet, at least for me, is a 10 minutes or less area to declutter. So if you only got eight minutes, I bet you can do the linen closet. I bet you can do it. The rule of thumb for the linen closet I believe Rose Lounsbury, my good friend and previous podcast guest, informed me of this rule, right? The rule of thumb is every bed should have two sets of sheets, no more, no less. In my house, we have four beds. That means I should have eight sets of sheets. Now, for me, I have to say, I live in the Northeast. It is currently 22 degrees outside, 22 degrees Fahrenheit. So we do use flannel sheets in the winter. So for me, the beds we frequently sleep in have four sets of sheets. So two sets of summer sheets, either cotton or bamboo, and two sets of flannel sheets. That's it. Keeping more sheets than that is just a waste of precious space, in my opinion. Same with towels. Each person in your home should have two bath towels, and then you should put two more on top of that for guests. We are a family of four. We have eight towels for our family of four, and then I have two more for guests, so 10 towels. Because, and if you're saying to yourself, well, what if you have a lot of people sleep over? Well, first of all, that never happens, but (laughs) if it does happen, we use beach towels for them. No big deal. Let's talk about hand towels for a minute. Do people actually use hand towels? Like I know in the powder room, yes, hand towels are there. But what about in your bathroom? Do you wipe your hands on hand towels? I'm asking because I do not. My my husband does not. My kids do not. We just kind of wipe our hands on the bath towel that's hanging up. So I don't know. Maybe we're strange. But if you don't use hand towels, like why are we keeping them? So the towels we have in our home, we registered for at our wedding now 12 years ago. And the towels we registered for came in a set. It was two bath towels, two hand towels, and then I believe two face cloths. 
we use the bath towel still and we use the face cloth still, but the hand towels, we don't really use them. So if that sounds like you, ask yourself, do I need to keep these around? Do you need to keep them around? For items that you're not sure whether you should keep them or not, use what I like to call the guest test. Would you give these towels to a guest? Would you put these sheets on the guest bed when guests come? Or are they too shabby? Are they too threadbare, too ripped, too stained, etc.? If they're too shabby, then you should not be keeping them and you should not be donating them. For the shabby stuff, I suggest you repurpose in your own home first. Sheets are a great material. If you're a sewer, you can do lots with a nice big fitted or flat sheet. Um, You can line your car's trunk. You can make rags. You can do an awful lot with sheets. Pillowcases can be used to take bread from the supermarket. Pillowcases can be used to store stuff. I mean, we could go on and on with the repurposing thoughts for sheets. Old sheets can be donated to a animal shelter, especially with old towels. I actually keep old towels around. I use them for my dog. She loves to swim. She always gets wet and gross and muddy. And so I keep a couple old towels in my car and in my garage for wiping her off. I use them for as rags. I just had a painting project, so I had a bunch of old towels to use for that purpose. So the shabby stuff we need to repurpose. We're not going to put a shabby set of sheets in the Goodwill donation bin. We're not going to give a shabby set of sheets or towels to a veteran shelter, a woman shelter down the street. Because if they're shabby and you wouldn't serve them to your guests, you wouldn't give them to your guests when they stay over, we're not going to pass that problem down onto somebody else. But if you have a lot of sheets or towels in really good condition, those can be donated. Those can be put in the Goodwill donation bin or put up on your buy nothing group. If you have sheets and towels in good condition, I am willing to bet that somebody will take them off of your hands for you and use them. Now, when you've pared down your stuff, you know what you're keeping. I suggest you put your items away with intention. I love opening my linen closet when my linen closet is looking pristine. A personal tip for me is when you're folding and putting away both your sheets and your towels, put them in the closet so that the edges, the mismatched edges are in the back. So when you open the door, you don't see the mismatched edges. You see the fold. You see the fold. It's like such a small thing. But for me, it's just like heaven to open my door. All my sheets are put away in the same way. It's uniform. It's pretty, etc. There's a lot of tutorials online about how to fold sheets. <laughs> and if you would like to go down that rabbit hole, you go for it. But for me, I don't take that much time folding my sheets. The fitted sheets are a hot mess. I fold them, but I put them away again so that the fold is in the back. So I make a stack, fitted sheet on bottom, flat sheet on top, and then the pillowcases on top of that. The the mismatched edges go to the back of the closet and voila, even though my folding isn't that great, it still looks pretty decent in the closet. Same with towels. Stack your towels so that you see the fold, not the edges. I should say too, you know, with anything, we're going on to the medicine cabinet in a minute, and this rule certainly applies for the medicine cabinet and the spice cabinet and every other space in your home. But when it comes to the linen closet as well, 
remember that the amount of space that you have dictates the amount of whatever it is that you can keep. So if you are struggling to fit items in your linen closet, if you are pushing down the pile of towels so that you can shove one more in there, that is the universe's way of telling you that you're holding on to too much. Let the space dictate the amount of stuff you can have. Let's move on to the medicine cabinet. Now, your medicine cabinet cleanout may coincide with the start of your low tox journey. And when I say low tox, I mean low toxin. And if you're on that low toxin journey, as I am, you are likely seeking to minimize the amount of products you use every day. And you're definitely seeking to overhaul your products so that the ones that you do use, the few that you use, are low-tox. They do not have the potentially harmful or likely harmful, I should say, toxins with it. So if your medicine cabinet cleanout coincides with the start of your low-tox journey, just know at the outset that you're going to make some trash here. You are. You're going to make a lot of trash probably. But this is one of those areas in which decluttering in the short term can be wasteful, but in the long term will inform your sustainable minimalist journey. So making this trash now in the short term is going to prevent you from making more trash down the line, if that makes any sense. And stay with me, I hope it will make sense. For me personally, once I learned about the potentially harmful chemicals in my beauty products, I could not ever go back. So I did a clean sweep. I had lots to declutter at the outset, but the process of decluttering can be transformative for you if you let it. It was definitely transformative for me. If you use the act of decluttering as a means by which to later purchase smarter and purchase less and purchase better going forward, that's where the magic happens. And I think that that magic is definitely tangible in the medicine cabinet. So what are you going to throw out? What are you going to throw out? You're going to definitely throw out the expired anything. The medicines come to mind, especially. Dump out the item. Recycle the packaging if you can. Remember, flushing is not a sustainable minimalist habit. We're not supposed to flush medicines. It's bad for the water. You're supposed to mix the medicine in something unpalatable, like soil perhaps, and then throw it in the trash. Mixing it with something else is a great way to ensure that children and your pets don't consume the item. Okay, but we're not we're not in the business of flushing here. If you have stuff that you just don't want anymore, so it's not expired, but you just don't want it, like unused cosmetics, let's say, or old nail polish, let's say, that's still technically usable, it's not hard and uh, thick, you can give those items away. Women's shelters will take them, make sure you call first and make sure you respect whatever their answer is on the other line. Definitely wipe down the shelves, clean it out, especially in the medicine cabinet. Containers can leak and we can get crusties on the shelves. Wipe down the counters, wipe down the shelves. You'll still have this job done in under 20 minutes, I promise you. I have covered the medicine cabinet before, especially as it relates to the low-tox journey. I'll link to that in the show notes for anybody who's interested. 
We're going to take a second quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about your desk and we're going to talk about your spice drawer. I'll see you after a quick word from our sponsors. And we're back again. We're talking high traffic, high impact decluttering. We discussed our car console and our purse or handbag. Then we moved along to our linen closet and our medicine cabinet. And now we're on to the surface of our desks. Here's a not so fun fact. Clutter can limit your brain's ability to process information. So that means that keeping your workspace tidy is even more important. It's all the more important, isn't it? If you work from home and you are sitting at your desk for the lion's share of your waking hours, you deserve a serene space to work. You deserve it. And if you don't work from home, you have a desk job elsewhere, you also deserve a serene space in which to spend the lion's share of your days. When my work area is a mess, first of all, I don't even have a desk. I work at the dining room table, so there's no drawers, there's no no places for me to like shove stuff. But when my dining room table is a mess, I do not want to work. I do not want to go over there. It's a mess. Give yourself the gift of a serene workspace by just, we're not tackling the drawers today, we're just tackling the surface of your desk. Minimalism rule number one is to clear off the surfaces. Anywhere, in the kitchen, in the bathroom, and in the desk, I am not a proponent of desk organizers, those things that sit on your desk and, you know, they can look cute if you're organized within the organizer, but usually they just look like a hot mess. Step one, in my humble opinion, when you're decluttering the surface of your desk is to get the items off the desk. You do not need to have a pen holder in plain sight. That's what a drawer is for. You do not need the plastic doodad that holds your paper clips and your post-it notes. That's ugly. (laughs) It's not attractive. And if we're seeking to reduce visual overstimulation, Putting stuff in a nice way on the desk is not the solution. The solution is to get stuff off the desk. So put everything that you can in drawers. If you have a printer or a scanner or an external hard drive on your desk, can you place that you know, on a little shelf under the desk or to the side, maybe a side table tucked away? Do we need to look at that big clunky electronic or not? What about unruly cables? Do you have cords all over the place, (laughs) especially on top of the desk? What an eyesore. Okay, they do sell reusable cord ties, but if you're a non-consumer like me and you like to repurpose stuff, why not use a twisty tie, a couple twisty ties together for the thick cords? Why not use a bread tag on the now nicely put together cord jumble and on the bread tag, write what the cord is for under the desk so that when you're plugging in, unplugging stuff, you know what's what. So you're tying up the cords, you're hiding them out of sight, you're labeling the cords so that you know what cord is what. If after you do all of that and still the cords are a big fat mess, know that there are things that you can buy. There's cable sleeves that cover the cords up nicely. There are cable boxes for the big surge protector. So there are things out there, but remember, purchasing is a last resort. Now for the other stuff, the miscellany items, organize like with like. 
Paper clips should not be with rubber bands. Paper clips should be together and rubber bands should be together. Pens that don't work should be tossed. Pens that do work should be with other pens. I love spice jars in my desk. I have maybe eight of them. Paper clips are in a spice jar. Rubber bands are in a zip bag, I should say, because it's hard to get a rubber band out of a spice jar. But tacks are in a spice jar. Erasers are in a spice jar. For whatever reason, my children have dozens of those you know, erasers that go on pencils. Those are in a spice jar. If you're like me and you have 16 Elmer glues, why do I have 16 Elmer glues? You don't need 16. Combine them so you have less. You have a couple full Elmer glues instead of 16 half-filled Elmer glues. So there's a pattern forming on this show, right? It's get rid of the trash, throw the trash out, declutter the excess, combine like with like, and then move along with your day. So there's the pattern. Get rid of the trash, throw out the trash, declutter the excess, and then combine like with like, and there you are under 20 minutes, you're done. Finally, today we're talking about the spice drawer. The spice drawer is so easy, likely. I mean, there's exceptions to every rule. If you have a cluttered spice drawer, perhaps um, this doesn't apply to you, but for most people, I would say the spice drawer is something you can Effectively declutter or clean out in under 10 minutes. If you want to be a better cook, start by cooking with spices that have not lost their potency. <laughs> so how do you know if your spices have lost their potency? Just crush a little bit in your hand or rub a small amount in the palm of your hand. The smell should be potent. If the smell is weak, the flavor is likely also going to be weak and you should replace those. So you're going through your spice area, whether it's a drawer or a cabinet or a turntable or whatever it is. Keep a pad of paper next to you so that you can write down the spices that you are composting, ideally composting if you compost. We shouldn't be throwing out old spices. They can be composted. So you're writing down the spices that you need to replace and you are composting the spice And here's the key, you're saving the jars. Wash the jars, remove the labels if you can, dry them, and keep the jars, even if you don't think you're going to use them. I bet you will. I bet you will. The coins in your car, your bobby pins in your medicine cabinet, the safety pins in your sewing kit, uh, the nails in your garage, the paper clips in your desk. The opportunities to use spice jars for organization are infinitesimal. They're great because they're clear, so you can see what's inside. You don't need to make a fancy schmancy label and put it on the jar if you don't want to, because again, they're clear. Now, if you're saying to yourself, nope, 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 Stephanie, I don't need jars. I'm all organized. I don't need them. You should still save some because... If you grow spices on your deck, let's say, during the summer and you have an abundance of basil and you dry the basil and then, oh no, you don't know what to do with the basil because you don't have a place to put the basil, oh, think about me this summer when this happens. Say, oh, thank you, Stephanie. I do have a jar or two. I can crush up the basil and put it in that repurposed spice jar. You are welcome. (laughs) In my life, God, it took me so long to figure this out. I grow spices in the summer and then I bring the spices inside. I dry them 
And then I think to myself, oh, shoot, where should I put these? And so what do I do? I stick them in a baggie, but the baggies, like the plastic bags, do not fit within my spice organization, which of course is jars. Baggies don't fit with jars. So the baggies like get shoved way in the back and I forget about them and I never use the herbs that I so lovingly grew during the summer because I lose the bags. So save spice jars for those instances. Now you are also, of course, going to organize like with like. Just the other day I was going through my spice cabinet and I realized I had two jars of garlic powder, and both of them had very little in them. Why? I do not know. That's why we organize the spice cabinet for this reason. So put like with like, the two garlics go in one jar, not two. And then you're going to find a way to organize the jars so that when you are in the throes of cooking, you can, without even looking in an ideal world, without even looking, you can just reach for the spice you need and pull it down. For me, I organize my spices alphabetically. This saves me so much time. I've been living in this house for eight years now, so I know exactly where the curry powder is, or I should say where it should be. I know exactly what shelf it's on. I know exactly where to reach. I, in a perfect world, don't even need to look, but that's if my husband puts it away where it belongs. That's a whole nother story for another day. But have a system that works for you. For me, I don't have a... Uh, turntable. I have shelves on the inside of a cabinet. It's a built-in and it works for me. For whatever you have, you need to be able to see all your spices. You need to see them. So don't hide some in the back of the cabinet. Nope. You should be able to see them. A turntable works well if you don't have some sort of functioning uh, organizational system at this time. Shelves work for me. I, again, alphabetize them. I have heard it said before that if alphabetizing doesn't work for you, you could organize your spices by category. So like if you use spices on meats, you could have a meat spices section. You could have a baking spices section where you have the, you know, the cinnamon and the nutmeg, let's say. For me, my family, we cook Indian a lot and Indian food tends to require a lot of the same spices. So I theoretically could have an Indian spices section. That's another way of doing the same thing, which is organizing your spices in a way that makes sense for your life. Whatever you do, make sure you can see the spices that you choose to keep. It will save you time. As again, you're in the throes of cooking. You're in your zone. You're cooking dinner. You do not want to stop cooking to find that spice that got lost in the back of the cabinet. So just to recap today, we discussed six high traffic areas, the car console, your purse, the linen closet, your medicine cabinet, the surface of your desk, and finally your spice drawer or cabinet. So my suggestion to you is over the next six days, you tackle one of these every single day. Take 20 minutes, do it. By the sixth day, you will be done. And on the seventh day, you can rest. We do have a quick eco tip today, and it comes from JK. She listened to episode, I believe it was 346, on saving money at the grocery store, what to buy when on sale. JK says a great money-saving tip at the supermarket is to ask for a rain check. There was an item that she wanted at the supermarket. It was on sale, but the item was gone. Everybody bought it. The shelves were empty. She went up to customer service and she asked for a rain check for the item. 
And the store gave her up to 30 days with this rain check. So the sale ends, but she has the rain check so she can still buy the item at the sale price. Very smart, right? So what my mom always said, it doesn't hurt to ask. Ask for a rain check. If something's on sale and you want it and the shelves are bare, ask for the rain check. Thank you so much, JK. What a great tip. I will see you all on Tuesday. Have an amazing weekend. Don't forget, reach out if you have an eco tip, a question, a comment, a compliment, a concern, all of it. Send me an email. Reach out on social media. I'll see you Tuesday and take care.